pray, Lord, that we would rejoice in every circumstance of this life, Lord, and that we would be drawn closer to you, Lord, because we were in your holy word today, Lord. Forgive us for where we fail and guide us to be more like you every day. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church family. I do miss playing the drums. Uh, John's on vacation. All the Kimpsons are are on vacation this weekend. So um, we might get out a little bit early unless I get rolling. So just don't get your hopes up. Um, But let me know. Someone raise your hand if it hits noon. I'm just kidding. Um, But has anyone, and this I will, no, I won't do a show of hands because that would be a little awkward. Especially if it has to do with a family member. But is anyone feeling overwhelmed in life? A little troublesome, like things in, in life just aren't, aren't perfect. Uh, and I know we're all dealing with that on some level. Um, and I figured, I won't do a show of hands, but I am going to get a microphone from, from Bob to pass around. And we'll take time to kind of share what's over. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, no! Um, but life can throw some crazy curveballs at you. Um, within a week's time, Carrie and I got to take off last week when I was on vacation, kind of a last minute trip to Niagara Falls, just super quick up there, spent the day, came back. Um, and then three days later, four days later, we end up hanging out at Charles Regional for eight hours because she ended up with a migraine that she couldn't get past, um, And so that was a big ordeal. And just sometimes life can get pretty overwhelming. Uh, There's there's trouble spots in life. And I know that we we can all agree. And we are at a point in John when we have seen uh, what has happened recently uh, in the upper room with with Jesus and the disciples. Uh, And it starts off with him washing their feet, which kind of threw them off anyway, right? Because here's their master, here's... The Lord uh, taking on the, the act of a servant and washing their feet. And they're like, what is going on? It's kind of cool, like, you know, learning some stuff. But this is, you know, kind of threw them a little off kilter. Uh, and then they get back to, to business. And then Jesus announces, by the way, while they're eating, hey, someone's going to betray me. And now they're like, wait, what? You know, like, we just had this great experience. And now someone's going to betray Jesus. And within moments, Judas gets up and, and leaves the room. So now everything's kind of, kind of out of whack, and they're stressed out. Oh, and by the way, Jesus, the guy who they have given their life to, keeps talking about leaving them soon. Okay, wait a second. I've given everything up to, to follow you, to hang out with you, and you keep saying you're leaving. Uh, that's causing some anxiety. Uh, Peter is, is standing up at, at some point saying, look, Jesus, I love you so much, I would lay my life down for you. And what does Jesus say? I don't think so. You know, you're going to end up denying me three times. So now I can imagine the other disciples thinking, wait a second, if Peter is going to mess up, how bad am I going to end up messing up? So things are a little chaotic right now in this situation. And uh, there's, there's a troublesome uh, heart and spirit within them. They're feeling a little overwhelmed. There's a lot going on. Uh, they know that all of the pressure coming to Jesus is there. And then what does Jesus say? Turn with me to John 14, verses 1, and we'll read 1 through 14. 
So in the midst of this, uh, and this is right after Peter is like, hey, I'll li- lay my life down for you. And Jesus is like, will you really? Because you're going to end up denying me. Look what Jesus says in 14 verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So we have... This situation where there are trouble hearts, and Jesus says, look, let your hearts not be troubled. Uh, and we're going to take a look at what that means, uh, and the hope that Jesus is going to give them. And then his claim of saying, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And we'll work through those as we, as we see throughout the rest of this passage, um, how that lays out. But when Jesus says, let your hearts not be troubled... And by the way, Peter, even though you're going to deny me, um, it's still okay. Still, your your heart does not need to be troubled, and I'll tell you why. Um, Believe in God, believe also in me. And we're all going to blow it. We are all going to deny Christ at some point. We're all going to make decisions in our life uh, that we want to make that are contrary to what Christ wants, uh, God's will for our life. We are all going to face troubling times. Uh, And we know this. And Jesus still gives us command to have your hearts not be troubled. Um, One of the best bits of advice that I got from my dad, freshman year of college, I went up to Fresno State for my first year, uh, and then wised up and went to one of our our Christian universities in Southern California. Uh, But took off, first time, me with an October birthday, I was only 17 when I left out the home, um, went up to college and lived off campus and just never really connected uh, with, with being off campus, not connected with everything that was going on campus. Uh, I did find a, a home church and that was good, but man, I couldn't figure life out. Uh, not that I thought I had it all together, uh, but change of major, and not really connecting and completely bombing most of my classes. Not recommended, by the way, for going off to college. Um, it was a rough year. 
And probably around early spring, I'm calling mom and dad. I called them every week, but I'm like, dad, like, like, this is bad. Like, can I come home? This is, this is a rough year. Failing my class. Well, I didn't tell him I was failing my classes. He found out later. But, um, you know, it was a rough year. And he's like, Randy, he goes, tell you what, son, hold on to this bit of advice. It only gets worse. Mike, wait, what? Here I am pouring my life out to you. My life is miserable. There's no way, you know, there's no looking up. There's no, like, my life's done. And he's like, it only gets worse. But it's it's the, the truth, is it not? The older we get, the more responsibilities we get, the, the problems get a little bigger. Um, but I'm like, seriously, Dad? Uh, but here's the thing. God already knows that. God has already set up, thanks to Troy's sermon last week, in his omniscience, all-knowing God, he knows what's coming in our life. He knows what problems are going to have, what is going to cause our heart to be troubled, um, the anxieties, the stresses of this world. He knows what's coming. Um, And yet, Jesus, with his command, says, let not your heart be troubled. And why? Believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, and so we see that, that Jesus knows what's coming, and he kind of gives a good game plan of why, uh, of what that looks like. And verse 2 uh, gives us a very solid opening argument, if you will, for Jesus' command to not have your hearts troubled, because in believing in him, it says in verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you? that I go to prepare a place for you. Um, and this place, the place is home. Uh, home is where you want to be, okay? Freshman year, I wanted to be home. Um, it's not where your stuff is stored. It's not where your clothes are hanging up in the closet. It is truly where your heart is, um, where home is, somewhere that you want to be. Um, and when Carrie and I took off, and I don't know if this happens to anyone else. It seems no matter, especially on a road trip, wherever we go, as adventurous as it is, doesn't it seem that it takes you less time to get home? Like, you're ready to be home. Uh, that trip to Niagara was awesome. Taking some back roads, thank you, ways, uh, through New York State. But coming back, like, it's like, get home. You know, let's get home. And to, to see that that home is a very special place and that Jesus is going to prepare this place for us, this place that we will call home for eternity, uh, this very special place. Um, and I looked up a definition for Father's house, and here's what I found. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room, a big, big table with lots and lots of food, a big, big yard where we can play football, A big, big house, it's my father's house. That's a song, by the way. Um, But but it's a promise, it's a hope that we have. Jesus is is off to prepare a place for us. No matter what this world brings, this life brings, we know that we have a home, we have a place that Jesus has prepared for us in eternity. Uh, And then verse 3, it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. He's going to come and take us there. Um, I don't know about you. I get super excited when I have done something, some, some place I've gone, 
uh, some event I've done that I'm like, man, I can't wait till I can have someone else come with me. Uh, or so-and-so. When we went to Niagara Falls, the whole time I sat there thinking, man, I can't wait to bring the boys and their family, whatever, whatever that looks like in the future. They've got to come check this out with us. Um, I do that with Disneyland. I've been to Disneyland thousands of times. But if I go with someone who's never been, it's like I'm re-experiencing it through them. Um, mountain biking is the same way. Troy and I have ridden before, but last Friday, Friday or Saturday? It was Friday. Um, we went out to go ride, and there were a couple of trails that Troy had not been. And it's work, but I tell you, it was a joy because now here's something new that Troy is experiencing, that I've experienced. Um, but here's the awesome thing. Jesus is doing the same thing. Jesus knows the glory of heaven. He knows what is going to be, the, what we are going to experience. And he is getting a place ready for us to come experience. So let me read to you John 17, verse 24. This is Jesus. He's saying, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, that's us, by the way, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus is like, like, can I please bring them to experience this? Can I have them experience my glory? Because he knows how amazing it is. Words cannot describe what heaven's going to be like. And he can't wait to take us there and for us to experience that uh, for eternity. Uh, and so not only preparing a, a place for us, but he cannot wait till we get there. Uh, and then look at verse 4 through 6 with me. Because it says, And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <clears throat> so how do we go where Jesus is? How do we follow him? There isn't a map with directions. There isn't some profound truth to memorize. There isn't a certain religion to follow and steps to, to achieve uh, our salvation. It is through a relationship. We get to go where Jesus is going through him and in him. Because he is the way. It's Jesus that is the truth. It is Jesus that is the life. Um, it is all through him and only through him. So let's walk through that Jesus has the way and the truth and the life. Um, and as Jesus is the way, look at verse 6. He's the only way. Uh, verse 6 says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That categorically tells us that the one way, Jesus' way, is the only way. Which means all other ways are wrong. There is no other way that we can get. There aren't any other religions. There aren't any other paths that we can take. There aren't any bypasses that, oh, this, this might be a little easier, and eventually I'll get to heaven. No, the only way to heaven, the only way to access the Father is through Jesus, through the Son. He is the only way. Uh, back in John 10, 7 is the image of Jesus as a shepherd. And it, it's the shepherd who is the door of the sheep. All others are thieves and robbers. And it is only the one who enters through him who will be saved. Uh, so this picture of Jesus. And so, and then in Acts 4.12, let me read this to you. It says, there is salvation in no one else. 
And Peter boldly is saying that for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is only one name. That name is Jesus. Jesus is the only way that we have to get to heaven. And one of my favorite, and I still use this till today, I probably will the rest of my ministry, the rest of my life, um, an old witnessing track called Four Spiritual Laws it explains what sin does, the separating of man from God. And here's this, this kind of cliff face uh, and, and place where God is. And then this huge chasm, and then here's man. And so the separation because of sin from man from God. And, and it talks about that man tries with religion. You can show up to church every Sunday. You can be good, keep your nose clean. Uh, you can do all these good works, and it shows all these attempts to cross this chasm. And there's no way that you can get back to God. Uh, and then it talks about the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, that he is the only way. That through his shed blood only came the forgiveness of sins that brought us in, back into a right relationship with him. And then what happens is the next page in the track is the cross that bridges a chasm. That Jesus is the only way because it's only through him, through the cross and his shed blood in our forgiveness of sins, him rising again from sin and, or to conquer sin and death, gives us access to God. It is only through what Christ did on the cross for us to be able to have access to the Father and have um, this relationship that we have. Uh, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not these different alternative approaches to God. It is only through Jesus. Uh, and man attempts, man tries, and creates all sorts of different ways. Uh, but Proverbs 14 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends. But the end is the way to death. Jesus is saying, If you want to go where I am going, it is only through me. I am the bridge. That will cross that chasm. I am the only way. And then he's the, the truth. He is the truth. And I tell you, there are some things in this life that we want to know the truth about. And we want to make sure we get right. Most important is our relationship with God. There are some other things we may not really want to know the truth about, isn't there? Does everyone really want to know what's in the hot dogs? Okay. There are some, some truths we probably don't want to know. Um, and then we have social media, don't we? Um, it, is, it is so easy to look at someone's life and like, man, they've got it good. They got to go here and there. Uh, they got to go and experience this, and their life looks so great, and they're smiling all the time. Most of it's hogwash. That's like a .001% of their life. Okay, I, I will admit something to you. All right? Majority of my posts are my mountain biking, my riding, and all that kind of stuff. So I edit those pictures. Did I ever tell you that? Okay? Some I don't. Okay? Because God does his glory through creation. But I, I enhance, you know, a little extra color and a little sharpness and, you know, do the slimming. You know, there's a slimming app. I'm just kidding. Um, but But social media just reeks of Hey, look how great my life is. And we can claim, oh, I kind of know them. I follow them on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram. No, you don't have a clue what their life is like. 
Um, it is because we don't really know someone unless we live life with them. And unless we have a relationship with them. Um, and unless we are in their presence and spend time in their presence. Read with me verses 7 through 11. Because here is Jesus like, you want to know who God is, the Father is? I'm right here. Look at me. So verse 7 says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long you still do not know me, Philip? By the way, doesn't this kind of give us hope? That we can be a Christian for a long time, and we can study, and we can try to figure things out, and we don't still feel like we fully understand everything. Here's Philip who got to be in the presence of Jesus for three years and still was missing a lot of the point of who he is. Um, and then it says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So Jesus is basically like, look, I'm here. You want to know who Jesus or who God is? Do you want to know if God is real? And we have, we've heard those conversations before. Well, we don't even know if God exists. You know, is he, is he real? Or is he just something you, you Christians have to learn about? Um, you know, you can't see him. And how do I really know that God is, God is present? How do I really know that God exists? And Jesus is like, I'm right here. If you see me, the Son, you see the Father. Uh, and you have access. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came. Um, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that we could see God and spend time in His presence. Uh, and we have the, re- the account of people who spent time in the presence of Jesus, which is being in the presence of God. And so Jesus is like, if you want truth of who I am... I am God, and you see the Father. You see all of who God is because I am here. uh, And I have shown you what that looks like. Verse 11 says, Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus is like, fine, you want the truth? Then open your eyes. Look at all that I've done. All through the book of John, we've seen these signs of what the miracles Jesus has done. Not to just show his awesome power, but to reveal God. To reveal who he is as God. He spoke the most profound words the world has ever heard. He lived the most remarkable, sinless life in human history. He healed diseases, commanded the forces of nature, raised people from the dead, voluntarily died in place of sinners like us, and was resurrected from the dead just as he said. Look at what he did. And he never lied. There was never anything that he said that he would do that he didn't do. And so even the trustworthiness of the truth of Jesus Christ is real. Uh, There is no evidence against that. Jesus stands alone in his claims and in his acts. There is no one like him. There never has been and never will because he is God, the son of God. And because of who he is, we have this truth. 
And in that truth, we have salvation. We have access to the Father. Verse 7 says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now on you do know him and have seen him. And what does it mean to know the Father? Verse, or John 17, 3. Let me read this to you. How important it is to know the Father. It says, and this is eternal life. So this is our eternal life, our eternal destination. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We have to know the Father. It's more than just some knowledge. You know, oh, I follow him on social media. No, it's so much deeper than that. And it's not just knowing uh, the facts about him and, and knowing the truth behind the facts. Okay? You, you might do a deep dive in this, just trying to discover who God is. But it comes down to a relationship with God. It comes down to, into knowing him because we are in the presence of God. We have this relationship with him. Uh, in Genesis 4.1, it uses the word to know, and it is between the intimate relationship between a man and a wife. Okay? I know Carrie better than anyone else in this room. Why? Because I live with her. I'm in the presence of Carrie. We, it'll be 32 years this year, December. I know her because I am married to her. She is my spouse, and I spend time with her. And so to know her intimately is a whole different level than even just hanging out with people and having a best bud or someone that you know, a co-worker or best friend. And so here's this image of knowing the Father is to have such an intimate relationship, a deep relationship with this person and this communion that can only happen with God. And here's the beautiful thing. We get access to that relationship because of Jesus. Uh, and so we see who Jesus is. We have salvation in knowing the Father because we know the Son is our Savior and Lord. And so to understand the truth uh, that Jesus has provided a way, provided a truth for us to know him intimately, and then the life. Read with me verses 12 through 14. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So in him is life, that Jesus is the life uh, for now and eternity, uh, that we have access to heaven where he is preparing a place for us because he is the life. And he has shared that he is the life, that as the life, he is the light of men. That he is the bread of life. That in him comes living water. Uh, and by the way, this outlasts any few years that we have on this earth. Because it lasts for an eternity. That we have eternal life in him. Uh, and it is the very life of God in us. Jesus says, I am your life. Live your life in me. And then see what happens. When we fully commit our life to Jesus as Lord and Savior and give him everything, it is a life that we can't describe because now we are living for the glory of God in Christ in us. And look at verse 12. He says, In this life we will do greater works. 
well, whoa, hold on a second. I've been a Christian for, let's see, 54 minus 6, 48 years, okay? I've not ever walked on water. I've never raised anyone from the dead. I've not turned water into wine, okay? It's not talking about greater things than Jesus has done, uh, bigger, more spectacular miracles. It's the quantity. Um, and we have to kind of look at this in the context. Uh, go back a couple of weeks, go back a few verses. When Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, what did that represent to them? It was a radical act of sacrificial service and love. Uh, it was him putting himself in a position uh, that put others first. It was a sacrifice for him, representing the ultimate sacrifice that he would pay on the cross, uh, that, that he was willing to serve and to love others more than himself and then what does he do calls us to the same thing and so now we have the same image that we continue to do the work of what jesus did when jesus bent down to wash the feet of his disciples in an act of sacrificial love he calls us to do the same thing so we are still get to do what jesus did that we still get to love sacrificially we still get to represent Christ in our life and be an example to others. We still get to put ourselves aside and go all in in our relationship with Jesus and live our life out for him in an act of service, in an act of love. And to understand that we get to, to be a part of that, that, yeah, we're not doing greater miracles than Jesus, but take a picture, uh, a look at this, how this has played out. Uh, it has been in quantity, not quality. Because here Jesus is, he represented and showed the disciples this act of sacrificial love by washing their feet, ultimately dying on the, on the cross that they all got to experience and be there for, to rise again, and then he ascends and leaves, right? And then we're done? No. He commissions the disciples to go out. The disciples go out, they serve sacrificially and show the love of Jesus. That multiplies, that multiplies, that multiplies. We're here now today because of what Christ has done. And the, the example of the sacrificial love that he gave to his disciples that we reap the benefit of because of Jesus at, continuing to be at work. And to understand that we... The, the greatness of what has happened is because we continue to be obedient in Jesus, continue to serve others in his name. Uh, Philippians 2.13 gives us how. Because again, we've talked about this. How in the world am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do these amazing things that Jesus did um, in loving others? It is because of what God is doing in us. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, and so we have access to God. God, we have this life in God, in Jesus. By the way, you got to come back next week because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, um, which is like this whole level of what God wants to do in our lives and represent uh, what of his act and works in us. Um, and in this life that we have in Jesus, 
we also have access, access to him in prayer. Um, look at verse 13 and 14. It talks about Jesus saying, whatever you ask in my name, I will do for you. Um, that you just ask. So yes, Jesus is leaving. He's, he's going to be gone. And the disciples won't have him around. But he's like, hey, by the way, you can still reach out. Uh, we still have this relationship. Now we have to be careful because whatever you ask in my name isn't like, you know, fill in the blank. Hey, I need like a new car, bigger house, you know, longer vacations. No, we have to do it in his name. We have to do it in what glorifies the Father. Um, it says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And imagine a check. Uh, there's, there's a younger generation in here that I realize has probably never written a check out before. But when you write a check, you write the amount, you write to who it is, the money is going to, but then what is that key element that you need on that check? Is your signature. So here's, imagine when we go to the Lord in prayer that we can ask anything, but there has to be uh, the will of God that, that comes with that prayer. And so Jesus would sign that check uh, for it to be, for, for him to answer that. And this is where the frustrating part is of saying, all right, God, here's a situation that I know you could be glorified in, and I want you to take care of it. And then it doesn't happen. Because we don't know the will of God. We don't know what he is going to sign off on. And how do we know? How do we know what he would put his name on? How do we know what uh, this request, how it's going to align with the will of God? Well, remember it's a relationship. And how do you know someone in a relationship? You spend more time with them. So believe in him. Trust him. Know him. Uh, it's this relationship with God, this relationship that Jesus has given us access to, isn't a set of rules. It's not restrictive like some monk-like lifestyle that we have to live. It's not this bunch of commandments that we have to live by. It's a relationship. Um, it's a life lived in Jesus because of his love. And yes, there are the commandments, there are the rules, there are things that we need to follow, but we don't do that to keep our nose clean, uh, to make sure we're obedient. You know, hey, I really need to pray about this situation, so I better start getting, you know, behaving better before I ask for that prayer. That's like kids at Christmas, right? Don't your kids act a little better the week or two before Christmas time? No, it's a relationship. If we love Jesus so much, then when it comes time for us to live our life out, it is because we love him, because we treasure who he is in our life, because we have given our lives to him in love, not out of fear, not out of obedience, not out of uh, trying to follow all these rules. It's a relationship. It is a love that we have with Jesus because he first loved us. So let me end with this, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life uh, this comfort wasn't just for the disciples, but for us as well. Uh, that for all who believe in a world of false hopes and chaos and trouble, we have a place ready for us in heaven. We have the truth of a Savior who is God, 
We have a life in him that doesn't just come with a guidebook, but it's a relationship. Oh, and we have access to him at all times. Uh, And we're going to see more of this access that we get through the Holy Spirit next week. Um, But here's this reminder of all that we have in life is through Jesus. Um, The way, the truth, and the life. And no matter what this world throws at us, no matter what we are dealing with, we will get through it and we will spend eternity in heaven if we believe, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and have given our life completely, utterly over to him. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning as we continue to work through the book of John that you continue to show us the love that you have for us, the, the plans that you have for us, uh, Father, the, the just joy that we have to be in a relationship with you, that it's not, you're not a distant God, but you are here, that you want us to continue to seek after you in all things, continue to glorify you in all that we do. And I pray these sayings in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together for our hymn of invitation. You'll find